1: Now here are your hosts: Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers,
0: Pure Red Yeah, a transcend race hombre.
1: Matt Butler, I don't talk,
2: man. I back
1: it up, and we are sock full of that. All right, and Jeff Howe, it's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. because stone cold sets so. up.
2: If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all.
1: Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I'm Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time and let me bring in the rest of the team. He's the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire who is not on the board, not doing drops today. He's making sure that this show gets recorded and is (laughs) properly produced and flushed out and sent out to the world. Matt Butler, how are you, sir?
0: Doing pretty well. Maybe uh, sometime soon in the coming months we can get back to the area where we can have drops and things along those lines. Yeah,
1: at some point we will, but uh, that's not going to be this week. So Matt, hold it down on that. And and a third member of our team our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UTL American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spit his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American Honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rob Babers. Rod, how's everything going, man? It's going good, brother. I appreciate it. Matt's got to make sure you got nothing blocking your Uh, sound waves there. Just in case. All right. Nice. Yeah. As Rod's got his coronavirus kit. Got to make sure
2: everything's cleaned up and sanitary. My man, Matt, he's, uh, yes, he's being being overly cautious like me. Appreciate it. Everybody's got the same kind of wipes, too. We hey. all came individually with our own wipes, and they're I all, think, all, I think we all the went Wet to, Ones the, brand. I,
1: mean, I think we all went to
2: Target on the same day. We <laughs> on, I, don't, I don't know where I got ours, but, yeah, man, they're hard to find these days, so yeah. good job. I had to
0: help my mom move out of the classroom, and they give them away at school. Listen, so we, ah, together together nice. yeah. we got
1: lucky that? hand sanitizers. We even got brand. I got Germix, you got Purell, so
0: we're, we're, we're
1: rolling. <laughs> all, right, there we're there good go. Go. all right, there you go. Status symbols. That means you're bowling, huh? When I got to Target, that truck must have jumped. Just got there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever time It's like it was
2: winning the lottery out. these days. Yeah, I mean, you feel like, wow,
1: man, I'm, I'm, I'm having need to go buy me a lottery ticket. <laughs> um, so we're going to have a buy or sell edition of Longhorn Blitz this week. We started this last week, and we'll start this week's show kind of dovetailing the conversation from a topic that we ended last week's show with, which are Sam Ellinger's Heisman odds. So gentlemen, just want to know if either one of you want a mulligan. Buy or sell Sam Ellinger's in New York for the Heisman Trophy Ceremony. Matt, you're buying.
0: Yes. I'll stick on it.
1: Rod, right now, you're, you were selling, you still selling? Yeah, I'm still gonna sell, okay. I'm still gonna sell. So, William Hill Sportsbook has some Heisman odds that came out, these were a couple of days ago. And uh, when people hear here, the name right? Will
0: Hill, they may laugh, but go on. Uh, I know, but yeah. Your, your, Heisman, front,
1: Street
2: cred, man. your
1: Heisman front runner, uh, right now, at this, as we sit here in early to mid May, oh, just, Justin Fields at three to one odds. Oh. Right, th- th- I'm sorry, three and a half to one. Uh, right behind him, Trevor Lawrence a four to one. I only those two being that high no, surprise. I thought anybody. Trevor
2: would have been in the front, but there you go. It's good.
1: Uh, Jamie Newman, the Wake Forest transfer to Georgia, the quarterback. Jamie Newman is ten to one. Uh, as we talked about last week, you get that Lincoln Riley bump, Spencer Rattler, twelve to one. Wow, that's amazing. And right behind Rattler, Sam Ellinger, eighteen to one odds.
2: Good. Uh, well, was he higher in the odds we discussed before? last
0: week? I saw sportsbook and it, he was at fourteen to one. So oh, was sportsbook. So, yeah, uh, it was sportsbook.ag. Okay. So that was uh, a big drop. If you look there, you can get almost like four times the money. Mm. So and then you value. Get, then you
1: get another to twenty-two to uh, twenty-two to one odds. It's Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback, Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard, uh, Derrick King, twenty to one. And Miles Brennan, the LSU quarterback, 28-1. to 1.
2: Yeah. I mean, it could be somebody that could easily come out of nowhere. That's been a common theme the yeah. last decade or so. Uh, That's the where Heisman. the value is. Yeah, exactly. Those guys you don't know. That's why the Spencer Rattler thing is not good value anymore. It would have been, but because of Lincoln Rodgers' reputation, yeah, not good value. But yeah. good for Spencer-, Spencer Rattler. It's a cool name, too. So, it is a good name. It is a good name.
1: So is there is there anything that we need to add to the Sam Ellinger discussion? I think we kind of hit that pretty thoroughly last week or anything that's still on your mind, anything you want to bring back up before we move on and do some other buy or sell topics?
2: Well, it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, how they develop the passing game and how he gets prolific passing numbers in this offense. I mean, you go back and look the last two years when he's had those really, really prolific passing years, there's been a a, a target. Now, sometimes that target has not always been one that people projected would be the guy. Nobody saw little Jordan Humphrey becoming... That productive, and I would say even though people were high on Devin Duvernay, they didn't see him being that productive. But you did have a combination of those guys in some form or fashion with Colin Johnson. Now you don't have that. You got a lot of unproven commodities at wide receiver. Thank God they got Tariq Black in the graduate transfer market. I think that's big, but it is going to be up on, it's going to be on Sam and you don't have an off season, unfortunately, or it doesn't look like you're going to have much of an off season. Right. Um, And hell, this was part of the off season. So at least a lot of that is truncated at best to develop that chemistry with these guys who are unproven for the most part. So man, if he can put up some prolific passing numbers, it's going to be a hell of a Herculean task because not saying he doesn't have talent there, but there's not a lot of proven talent and there's not a lot of continuity and chemistry between those guys. It's just not. And we're still waiting on Cade Brewer to to work out. Or one of those tight ends, right? Jared Wiley or uh, Braden Library. Brad, yeah, I mean go on. And the list goes on for them to work out and th- them also to help the passing game. So honestly, kinda of thank God for the Tariq Black and thank God that Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith, who are the H hybrid roles are going to be also. I think now you adjusted, and they're just a bigger part of the passing game, because I think now you have Keontae Ingram, You got Rojo in the backfield. Uh, you know what I mean? You got some, you got Bijan Robinson. If, if I'm Tom Herman in your situation now, I'm thinking even right now, all right, Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith got to be more, targets in the passing game. We can utilize them in both, but they gotta be more of a, a asset in the passing game than the running game just because I think they're more proven commodities than a lot of your wide receivers are. Yeah. And they yeah. haven't done much either, by the way. And a- a- anything, cause Jordan Whitton had not done much of anything. And the weapons where you're still at, you know, <laughs> like if you
0: look back at the numbers and look at why Ellinger's season uh, two years ago was so big, why it compared to say Tebow's was one uh, running numbers were up there, the goal line, you get the big stats. And then you also though, had depth at receiver right now. You may have some high-end talent but if you were talking through the prism of getting it to heisman worthy and those type of yeah. numbers having deficient uh, skill players may actually put more in sam's hands and he may actually have to run the ball more and may end up with those high numbers like say the numbers of a running back which he did or which tebow did when you're a dual threat quarterback i could see it, how it could get to a spot where he actually puts more onto his shoulders so in theory if we're talking just how does he get there well it might be a situation where the lesser skill lesser around him puts more on him it's going to be harder to do so but if you're talking about how can you get there when the modern offenses he has to have huge rushing numbers he has to have all the touchdowns and then you have a manufactured passing game the way that you Get in the Big 12 already. He's as long as he's subservient and okay yeah. at that level, may end up being
2: enough, like he did in 2018. Exactly, when he had at least those at least 25 passing touchdowns, at least 15 mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns. A Power Five quarterback, and the other quarterbacks in the Power Five who have done that have all won the Heisman. Tebow, Cam, Manziel, yeah. and Lamar Jackson. So I, I'll give it to you. I think you're right. My concern is if he is that kind of runner and the focuses on like that. You better make sure your backup quarterback is legit, mm-hmm. because you know he's gonna miss one or two games. Yep. Knock exactly. on wood, you know he is. It just even we, we were lucky last year that he didn't miss games, yep. and I think a lot of that is he wasn't much of a running threat either. I mean, he scrambled a lot, mm-hmm. but Bam Bam Sam wasn't really a feature in the offense last year, and I think we were upset about that. But I think one of the I guess the byproducts fortunate byproducts is he also isn't at risk as much and sam playing the entire season may mean more to you now because you don't have a bucelli behind him no it's gonna have to be sort of
0: and it's odd looking back at it because it seems so obvious at the time but just getting to watch back uh during this you know pandemic at all of colt mccoy's games and how much he actually put on himself because that's the last time a texas quarterback was in new york for the heisman ceremonies Mm -hmm. and i mean people don't remember he actually did have the running game put on him since that 07 season. He took a bludgeoning in 07. He mm-hmm. ran a ton in 08. Now you really noticed it and that gave him been credit by 09. Yeah. And he was in that was the ultimate pitfall whenever he got hurt. But you sort sure of could have seen the right in on the wall if you look at the way those six seasons ended with injuries. The 07 season he had multiple injuries that he fought through all the way through. So it's very rare. That's why that 08 year was so great, because you didn't have any injuries, and it's sort of the same thing. Look back to 05. You didn't have many injuries on those teams. So if you can stay I mean, away, and that's where that's variance of and it. luck can really yeah. come into it. No
1: doubt. When you think about how their careers might parallel, and their numbers aren't going to be identical, and you know to say parallel, Sam's not going to be a two-time Heisman finalist and we'll see if he can uh, get a big 12 title on his resume and mm-hmm. maybe get Texas into that playoff mix, like Colt McCoy had taken Texas to a national championship game. But I think when you look at their careers, Rod, if you look at Cole in 06 and Sam Ellinger in 2018, you can make the argument that both those guys in both those years probably overachieved. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they had some veteran personnel around them. And keep in mind that Texas team became a veteran team because you went and got Calvin Anderson as a grad transfer left tackle, who had already started 36 games in his college career. Mm -hmm. You brought in Trey Watson as a grad transfer, You know, we saw how they finally figured out what little Jordan Humphrey could do. And Colin Johnson came into his own. And Devin Duvernay bounced back from an awful, just a terrible sophomore year. And then last year, similar to Colt McCoy in 2007, was Sam last year. You can't say that he was bad, but the phrase I like to use when you talk about last year, you left some meat on the bone. And some of that was you had to play through some stuff. And Mm -hmm. go back to 2007, I mean, yeah, he still had Jamal Charles. Uh, But after the Oklahoma game, Jermichael Finley was basically phased out of the offense for whatever reason. That's something we can debate at a later (laughs) date. But remember, Lima Sweet didn't play most of the year. Lima Sweet was hurt most of the year. And you had a relatively young, inexperienced wide receiver group Mm -hmm. uh, compared to what Colt had in 06. and now the challenge is, you're, and we'll talk about the receivers here in a minute with a buy or sell question, but you've got talented receiver, but you've got a potential first-round pick on the offensive line in Sam Cosby. Mm-hmm. Up front, you should be pretty solid. The running back group, as we talked about, mm-hmm. it's as deep and as talented as it's been in this program maybe since that national championship year. Yep. So for sure. The, but at the same time, maybe because 11. of the areas where you're deficient or maybe not deficient but unproven, Rod, you're still going to have to ask that quarterback. With Sam in 2020, just as you did with Colton 08, you're still going to have to at the point Matt made a minute ago. Ask that guy to shoulder a, a lot if you're going to be the type of team you think you can be.
2: Yeah, and I think, so I'll, I'll keep going with you guys' parallel comparison. If that is the case, the strengths for Colt McCoy at that time were ended up being the wide receivers because it was Quan Cosby in 08 and Jordan Shipley. And then you had Chris Obanaya who was just, you know, kind of your do anything guy in the backfield that could help him out. But the offensive line was average to below average. We know that. And they didn't have a ton of deep running back talent. That backfield wasn't that talent, which is why Colt ended up leading the team in rushing. Uh, If you're talking about Sam this year, um, you know, the strength is the offensive line, actually. Mm-hmm. You look at pro football focus, they say Texas has two of the three best offensive linemen based on their grades in the Big 12. Uh, you look at that backfield, we talked about how deep it is, but it's as deep as it's been. Like you said, I mean, you got to go back to, yeah, you know, back to 2005, so you know, know what I mean? Like year, those yeah. years, yeah, when you had NFL caliber guys in that backfield, a ton of them. But the wide receivers and like the tight end position is one that, um I, I don't I mean there's a lot of uncertainty I should say yeah. unproven commodities right. so yeah maybe if you are the real deal like Colt did with that backfield it was in that offensive line it was makeshift and it was average to below average like all right you know what hell I'll, I'll leave the damn team in rushing oh the, the offensive line the, the, they're insufficient to hell with it man I'll, I'll improvise on the run I mean I'll I'll be able to, to connect with Quan who is like his BFF and Jordan Shippen. I'll I'll have such chemistry with these guys I won't even Need you guys to block for me for very long, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And if Cole, if Cole, you know, obviously, I think he could have ended up winning a national title. But if he, if he, if he would have stayed healthy, but he didn't that year. He- I know he was a responsible runner most of the time. He Mm -hmm. didn't expose himself. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case in 2009 in the national title game. So if you're Sam Ellinger, can you uplift the play of those wide receivers? Can you make them better, literally? That that is the insufficiency on the offense or the deficiency, I should say, on the offense. Then can you uplift them with just accurate throws, putting the ball on the money, throwing the leverage, making NFL throws, uh, you know, mm-hmm. making the right decision all the time with the ball spreading around. Can mm-hmm. you be that guy? Mm-hmm. And if he is, he may not rise in the Heisman rankings, but the NFL scouts will look at it and go, yeah. dude, that guy ran that damn offense. It was his offense, and he did it without a stellar proven wide receiver. Court.
1: And you'll be, and more important for Texas, you do that, you'll – you'll be squarely in the mix for a Big 12 title berth um, in the
2: month of November. If you can uplift that wide receiver goal, because that running back room, we know, they're going to be able to run the ball. I I think they'll be able to run the ball, and I like that offensive line, the way it's shaping up. Denzel Okafor ended up coming back. I like the way the – I think the offensive line is going to end up being a strength. I don't want to jinx them, but I think that's going to end up being a strength. I think the backfield is going to be a strength. Sam Edling is a part of that. Bam, bam, Sam. But the wide receivers and the tight ends, they worry me just a little bit. Well, and you're spot on right there with the
0: tight ends and i mean to go with that parallel you're talking about with 06 07 well in 08 what happened you lost your tight end and you didn't have a tight end and that's sort of where texas oh, is yeah. a lot of that's questions right now you don't know exactly where you're going to be at tight end and what happened right then well you had the ability to scheme guys open now a lot of it was colt and shipley maybe just being on the same page, but idea of Greg Davis, understanding the personnel and sort of self-scouting and knowing what the issues were and how to take advantage of the opponents. And that's where you're in a good situation. Now with, say, sitch and you have a lot of multiple pieces, which is a lot of fun. And then the idea that, well, if you could do that in 08 without an O-line and without a tight end with only, say, a great leader and a little few players that are on the same page, this team, in theory, could be set up better structurally as All-11, not saying that the players are more talented on the top end because the top end that you had in 08 and 09 was mm-hmm. as top end as you can get of a polished, finished product college player. But having that at the O-line and having that at the running back, that's going to just help it be so much easier.
1: You had a tight end in 08 for two games until yeah. Blaine Irby got his leg mangled. in that So brutal. Game. Yeah.
2: Oh, it was brutal. Hey, he was. He was nice he was, too, yeah. man. He was nice and fluid. I loved him. I loved pre. I, mean, I love Blaine Irby, but pre-injury, Blaine, Blaine Irby was, was. It was sick. David
0: Thomas, like a, a higher recruited version of David Thomas, is what he, it looked he, like. He, he was
2: smooth, man, yeah. for a tight end. He was smooth, yeah. I remember that. You're right about that. Good point.
1: Pre-injury Blaine Irby, Rod, might have been kind of just how we view tight ends today. You remind me you of know, a like player he, Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, he an H-back and you flex him no, like this NNY guy? No, he was like, He, oh, he, he could was do like everything. Aaron
0: Hernandez. Literally what was his not size? Exactly. How big was he? Blaine Irby remember. was
1: like 6'3 six six three three. and like yeah, probably 235
0: Oh, man. I believe they came out the same high school year. I just remember those from two Cali, right? body types, Who? Irby and Aaron Hernandez.
2: Was he out from Cali?
0: Cali, yeah. 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 No, oh, he seven was man. at man. Same time I, I,
2: Yeah, he was nice. Yeah, that injury, that was unfortunate. I thought he was going to pull up both skis for a while. Remember he kept coming back? Because I think he had multiple injuries, right?
1: Yep. Oh No, it's just that one was it's so that bad. That was so catastrophic.
2: Yeah. Okay. And then he still was there to be able to
0: catch the big he had to beat foot, the he
1: had drop did. foot,
0: drop oh. foot. came
1: back from drop foot.
0: That doesn't yeah. even sound like a modern, like, issue. Like, some, that sounds like something from two, deck or well, two centuries like,
1: uh, ago. Well, that's like Jalen Smith's leg injury. Jalen yep. Smith when he got hurt in that Fiesta Bowl game.
2: Oh, Ir- he had no, no, you right. playing
0: 28 games
1: or 27 games. Uh, impressive. Um, yeah. So we'll right, we get to our Buy or Sell for this week, this show. We may, maybe we have some of these that we carry over to next week. I don't <laughs> know. We'll just see how far we get. But, Rod, something you mentioned a minute ago that's going to be our first Buy or Sell question. Buy or Sell, someone other than Sam Ellinger starts a game at quarterback for Texas this year.
2: Oh, man, I hope. Oh, man. Uh I fear Matt made a great point when he was like Sam taking on whatever the deficiency is in yeah. the offense. Him deciding, all right, I'll I'll, I'll solve it. I'll fix it. Or and if nobody's open. I gotta run. And no, yeah. And if he if he's exposing himself a lot, but I, I gotta tell you, he was very responsible last year. And he was he was one of the top scrambling quarterbacks in the country last year yeah. and he in he terms of body. attempts and, and also in just uh, in yards too and for productivity when he scrambled. So I'm gonna say I, I'm gonna say. Sell. Okay. I'm gonna sell. Now I'm thinking Sam Sam's responsible now, and you know what he's gonna do? He's gonna fight through it. He's gonna fight. Well, Even if he's not, I mean, it's got to be something catastrophic for him not to be able to play. Yeah, it's got to be something almost close to season ending because otherwise he's gonna play through it. You gotta won't. snap a bone or have a. It's, leg gonna be, yeah, issue. it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be something like that for to yeah. keep that guy off the field for his last year at Texas. That guy, yeah, one well, that body <laughs> type, he's I gonna mean, fight somebody before they before they keep him off of some injury that he. Oh, you know, we want you fresh for next week, Sam. I'm like no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't see it. But uh, yeah, he's, he's missed. This last year was an aberration, actually. You know what I mean, the last, you go back to what, his junior year in high school? He's mm-hmm. missed time every right. year. Yeah. So. And
0: if I was a betting man and to talk about this in that type of perspective, I really don't think there's going to be, say, all full schedule of a season. Or if you are, it's going to be pushback. Mm. It's going to be harder. So if you're going to be just thinking about this and betting with your buddies, the value side would be, and man, we might only be talking about nine games instead of 12. Amen. So the amount of games in them, maybe now non-conference games, which would mean one of the games you could get most hurt in against LSU, one of your more physical games, you aren't going to have two of five to start out in a month, the way Oklahoma always stacks up against a tough non-conference schedule. So it'll still be tough to see him playing every single game the way he plays it. But like you just explained, Rod, like if anybody's going to do it, he's going to be able to make it through. It's his last year at Texas, and it's going to be hard to keep him off the field.
2: Jeff, this is the thing to worry about though, is that off season, you know, they're going to have an acclimation period because I think Matt brings up a good mm-hmm. point. We know the season's going to be shifted, altered somehow. We just don't know exactly how. If the season, and it's already, obviously, a season has been kind of an, a virtual off season and all these mm-hmm. kinds of guys working from home. Does that help or hurt injury odds you know what I mean mm, is yeah. it increase or decrease injury? because it's less wear and tear yeah. but also it's less acclimation to football activity yep. you can say you're doing it at home but it's only so much you can do at well, the house you know I, I mean? think
1: I think the guys that are it depends on right. the injury rod like yep. the guys the guys that, whenever you get back, the guys that aren't dealing with like your soft tissue injuries, your hamstring pulls, your groin pulls, you're gonna have more like of that, those. Those will be the guys that you could say, Okay, they were actually legit doing something well, yeah,
2: they are, yeah, exactly. For the Good most point. part, Good I mean, point. freak
1: things do happen, but you get into like a shoulder injury, an ACL, or anything with a knee, rolling ankle, like that kind of stuff yeah. can. It's just that's freakish. a free deal that can
0: happen, and those yeah. are just trauma injuries that it's happen crazy. because you're out there on the field, not necessarily because of the yeah. time that you're off. So the soft tissue type stuff are the things that you may see more of early on, but just once you get asked, a few
2: in, because guys thought they were in shape. Oh, I thought I was working hard. But it's that's like, the key for Yancey McNight. I mean, you that can't makes get that guys LSU back. Game. You
1: can't get a team back day one and be like, all right, let's go run right. 10 200. It's
2: like no, it's like you got to. It's got to be a, you. Fact, you got to basically have had any an evaluation period as a strength and conditioning coach when they come back and go each guy, okay, he's been working. So it's almost like Mad Dog. You should do the thousand-yard shuttle. God, don't do, don't do the thousand-yard <laughs> shuttle. But Mad Dog, you should do it. Sounds like an oh '80s God.
0: hip-hop song. No,
2: dude, it was brutal. Oh, sometimes we had to wear a weight vests. Sometimes we wouldn't. But basically, you would start. You know, you start at the goal line, and then you'd run ten yards, and then you touch the, touch the line, and then you run back to the goal line, touch the line, then you'd run twenty, and you run back, to you run thousand yards. And oh my God, (laughs) guys were throwing up, crawling, crying. Oh man, it was brutal. Anyway, but that's almost like how he would gauge if guys were actually in shape. Yeah. You, they would have a thousand yard shuttle test and you knew it was coming so you was like man I'm not going to eat too much uh, ice cream in the off season and smoke too much and drink too much like no nah, man I got to make sure I'm ready for that day because you're not going to run a thousand yard shuttle but you better make sure you're prepared for it and it was bro, oh man guys used to be just passing out oh and it was that's no way it's legal these days no, way. <laughs> no you got mad dogs like but, but enjoying every second but I wonder if you second. got the equivalent of a thousand yard shuttle like alright you yeah, know I mean let's you know, whatever that is, like, you know, now I know this guy, this guy, this guy in shape. These other guys, we're going to put them in a different group even because I don't want to, you know, I can't train everybody right. together in this strange time. You know what
1: yeah, I mean? uh, that's, you know, that's why what whatever becomes of this season, Yancey McKnight's going to be the MVP. I mean, he, him and his man, staff, man, they're going to have to. And we talked about this like when the pandemic first started in terms of restrictions on it if you're a strength coach you really have to plan on when everybody gets back you got to plan on worst case scenario yep guys that you worry about their weight getting out of control they're going to come yep. back way out of, way overweight mm-hmm. guys that you worked so hard to put weight on they're going to come back 20 pounds lighter than when they left no doubt so you're, you've just got to envision all these worst case scenarios uh another buyer sell question gentlemen i want to go over to defense and if you look at we talk about the success all the time of first year defensive coordinators at texas oh man Manny Diaz in 2011. Texas finishes the season number 11 in the country, Rod, in total defense. 33rd in scoring defense. Go to 2014 under Vance Bedford and Charlie Strong. 25th in the country in total defense. You're 31st (laughs) in scoring defense. It got flipped under Todd Orlando. 29th in scoring defense. 41st in total defense. So, buy or sell, guys, Chris Ash has a top 30 scoring or total defense by the end of the season.
2: He will, but it's not just – I'll buy it. He he will. It it is part of the trend. The trend is because of other factors that we talked about, about young guys playing and, you know, uh, in terms of the – the turnover rate with the younger and the older guys, like that's a deeper, deeper discussion. But that is a, a crazy trend on the 40 it's been going on now for a decade. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can even take that back to to Muschamp, and it, 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 it even goes deeper and deeper. Yeah. But the reason the defense is gonna be good is because, I was looking at Pro Football Focus, they actually had Taquan Graham rated as one of their top three edge yeah. rushers uh, in terms of overall grade, and I was looking to myself, Damn, Joseph Bside is is going to be way better than Taquan Graham and I didn't know they considered Taquan Graham to be one of the top 3 edge rushers in the Big 12 yeah, it was based her, off her last bat, year. Bat, based yeah. off pro yeah. football in focus. So, uh, yeah. and so we know Joseph Bside is going to be moving to that, you know, that jack was the jack, jack position, the jack, jack role, which is a hybrid defensive end outside linebacker. So hopefully he's more Sergio Kendall. He's either run stuff or pass rushing and less of him dropping back into coverage. So that'll give you two of the best edge rushers in the Big 12 if you're looking at Chris Ash's defensive blueprint. And then at, at in the secondary, I saw them list Deshaun Jamison as one of their top three overall graded corners coming back in the Big 12. Uh, but I think we all agree, Jalen Green is probably better than Deshaun James and just as an overall cover guy. But he ended up getting hurt and injured. Like I said. So you got two of the best corners coming back in the Big Twelve theoretically, and we know the safety position is loaded for Texas to the point where they even got safeties experimenting to play linebacker. So the point is, if you're Chris Ash, all you got to do is figure out linebacker. You know what I mean? You think you got one problem to really solve because Kendra Coburn inside, we all agree, star. I love Kendra Colburn, big fan. So almost at every position of need, there's young star potential. Mm-hmm. Just like it was when Manny Diaz took over. Yep. Just like it was when Vance Bedford took over. Guys who have had enough playing time, they may not have all had Caden Stearns type seasons, but they all have had enough experience basically where oh my these guys are veteran players at all key positions except like linebacker. Yeah. So you come in, figure out linebacker. That's your only problem to really solve. The rest of those guys are ballers. You yeah. got ballers at safety. You got ballers at corner. You got ballers at the edge rush position. Ballers at interior D line. Why wouldn't the defense be good? If it's not, then hire Rod B and fire Chris Ash, because yes. all the pieces are there.
0: You're, time for you to get back
2: it in. It'd be cheaper too, you
0: well, <laughs> know I mean? You talk about the situation where you're filling out the roster, and you just brought up Graham and Jameson, and people may look at the PFF type Graves and sort of look and wonder, well, wow, that guy is so much higher than the guys that are better. And if you think about football, football's such a small sample size, and you compare it to like, say, people are used to seeing baseball stats and used to understanding, like you get a large enough sample Mm -hmm. to see the full width of things. And you can get anybody that goes on a hidden streak for 10 or 12 games. And when you look at football, especially if say you're getting graded, you're getting graded on a per snap basis. Yeah. So it's easier to have higher grades, the fewer the snaps only because if you have a few good snaps or don't have any bad snaps, it can keep that grade high. And that's why it's so good Mm -hmm. that you're, say, secondary players, and I'm not talking about DBs, but second-level type guys like a Taekwon Graham or a Deshaun Jameson Jameson. are grading out elite. And that just means that maybe, say, Osai, because he has every snap, and he was asked to be doing lots of things. Mm -hmm. So the gradings may not weigh out because his sample size is, like, taking the whole batting average over the season. Well, you know, over the season, Mike Trout's going to finish batting over 300. It doesn't matter if you look at little spurts or what. That's why it's good to see – the star players be those type of guys that can absorb the length, and you would want to fill your roster. And if you can fill your roster with guys that are performing at above average levels, the way that Jamison, the way that Taekwon Graham is, it really can make your entire roster become an mm-hmm. elite level roster, which is a really good thing to see.
1: Yeah. So we're buying that Texas has a top thirty
2: scoring or to- and or total defense. Uh, no, I think. In I think twenty twenty. It's gonna be tough to, Only the total defense the is tough. Of,
0: Yeah, because of the rest of the.
2: But I'll buy it, though. I'm buying it, though. I I think defense is going to be good. And
0: I think the defense will be good. I think that they'll grade out around that same level. It's just a bummer that you're in, like, the toughest conference. So, for the national ratings, it's going to be maybe not there. You could still be an elite defense and have a top 35 or 40 overall defense.
1: Buy or sell, Texas has a 1,000-yard rusher. Buy
2: I'm, I'm gonna sell.
1: Yeah, you were quick to answer that, Rod. Any, uh,
2: Cause I think they Because I think they're really high on Keontae Ingram, and they want Keontae Ingram to be a feature of the offense. We know, the y, I've been talking about how the wide receivers are not a, you know, to me, you can't feature any of those guys. I think that would be a mistake to feature mm-hmm. those guys. You're gonna feature somebody or something? Who are you gonna feature in the offense? All right, mm-hmm. who are you gonna feature? You're gonna feature a guy who's been in, and the guys are gonna feature are Sam Ellinger. But it's hard to feature him in the passing game, really, when you don't really know how that's going to look. And you got Brendan Eagles and Tariq Black, eh, unproven commodities. You look in the back it, I think you're going to start this offense, the identity of it, with the running game. And if you're going to do that, you're going to feature Keontae Ingram. Yes, you're going to throw in a young Bijan Robinson. You'd be a fool not to. And, hell, he's probably he, he could be a star. I know Keontae was, you know, he was very inconsistent down, all over yeah. the place. I mean, he hadn't established really much of a baseline, but – I think this year you could see him really take a leap I'm expecting him to take a leap and then you'll have the Rojo compliment as well I know that backfield is loaded but I think Keontae and Ingram will end up getting there
1: let me run down some of Keontae Ingram's numbers
2: I think he'll get there
1: played 13 games both in 2018 and 2019 because mm-hmm. he missed a game his freshman year with an injury uh, total rushing attempts only had two more rushing attempts last year than he did in 2018 I didn't okay that. so with that rushing yards go up from 708 to 853 yards per carry up to 5.9 from five almost a full yard per carry more I
2: even that. rushing
1: touchdowns improved from three to seven two more receptions up from 29 up from 27 yards per catch up 6.3 up to 8.3 so he's over uh, about two <laughs> yards per catch more I didn't realize he was that
0: productive. I
1: didn't either. I
2: didn't realize that. He
1: had had a thousand a thousand ninety five yards from scrimmage, averaged six point three yards every time he touched the football, okay. and accounted for ten touchdowns compared to five as a true freshman.
2: Wow, I feel better about my. I did not know that. I did not know he was that productive though.
1: I didn't either until I looked at it. Well,
2: and those because
1: like numbers. you said, Rod, the the highs with him were really high, but the yeah. lows with him were. Yeah, really true. forgettable.
2: LSU. I just keep, yeah. Well, he just one drop. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just a one drop. It was a one drop. But that that's was what you see. But the, yeah, you do. You start there, but then he let that affect the rest of his game. Yeah, the you rest I mean? that entire rest of the first half. Yeah, that was, to me, you got to be able to throw that. He was refocused
0: after halftime. It seemed, but like that yeah, was flustered. You let
2: that fluster you. You let and that discombobulate it. you, and then you. It, but it's because it was juxtaposed to Rojo. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. was just automated.
0: He, you put him in and he, he didn't was give
2: just, a yeah, like for real, nothing really robot. registered with him. It was just he was just a ball carrier. He's a ball player. Just give him the damn ball. You know what I mean? So I think that that also hurt the perception but man those numbers are staggering if you can
0: fill your roster with a rojo where you just plug and the guy's like a robot and goes in unaffected by the circumstances around him it's like you always hear about the people that want to be comfortable in the chaos he just seems like one of those guys and then it's so great hearing those numbers from ingram because i think they'll be quite similar this year also, but when you add in somebody like Bijan Robinson and you just look at the way that Texas you're going to have Sam's going to get five plus carries, you're probably going to get an additional five plus just because. Anytime we've seen a Tom Herman offense, there's been that secondary back and then the idea of keeping each other healthy. And now it would be great if he could average 60, 70 yards per game on the ground to get there. But I hope he's involved in the passing game. and He'll border on it. And per his per-touch numbers like you brought up, if they stay around there, that's all Texas needs.
1: It's interesting, though, Rod. I'm with Matt from the standpoint that I'm going to sell on having a 1,000-yard rusher, but I don't think it matters because you look at last year. You had games where Keontae Ingram was over hundred yards, or he's in the, in the nineties, or whatever, and the games where he wasn't good, it's like those are the games where Rojo was really good. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. uh, yeah. like, like for Roshan Johnson not blinking that LSU game and to look like he belonged on the field, his second game playing, like second week mm-hmm. playing that running back position, or third week or whatever it was, that spoke volumes to him. But you go to the West Virginia game where. Ingram gets the stinger early in that game. Is yeah. it the same? Roshan Johnson has a 100-yard game. The Oklahoma game where Ingram's still feeling the impact of the stinger. Roshan rushes for, what, 95 and has that big run early in the second oh, half yeah. that gets Texas back in the game. Texas Tech when is not himself. Roshan has a monster game to close out the regular season. So, And then you throw B. John Robinson into that mix. I, I would rather rather than a 1,000-yard guy, I would r- like to see all three of those guys be kind of
2: 500-yard rush guys at least. No, no, I agree. I think that's great, but I just think I think Keontae will end up get, just where just the way it's trending. Right. He's gonna end up getting it. it just seems to me they they want to feature Keontae. They love Keontae Ingram. I think they want to feature him, and I think ultimately the defense is gonna be good next year. Tom Herman is a all-around kind of blueprint to win guy. He's never he's never been like Lincoln Riley and on, depending on one phase of the game to win football games for him. He's always tried to win with more than one phase of the game. I think that in complement in other ways. I was like, well, the defense was playing well, so we decided to do this. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think the defense is going to be good, and in the Big 12, the defense will keep them in games. I don't think they're going to be I don't think they're going to be winning shootouts. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be Texas. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be the identity of the team next year. I think it's not going to be. They're not going to be air rating things out. It's not going to be a shootout offense, man. It's going to be a control the ball, control the game offense in the Big 12. They're going to be more like how you know, kind of Matt Campbell likes to run his offense. I don't think they're going to be the shootout, try to be prolific offense because that would that to me that would mean they're going to have a really really high octane passing game. I don't think they're (laughs) going to have a high octane passing game. I don't see it. Because I'm talking, to who? Yeah, yeah. Who, who, are you, who are these targets going to go to? I think those targets that usually were going to, Devin DuVernay and, and Colin Johnson back in the day and Lucho, I think they're going to be taking the guys in the backfield and not all targets, some of them will just be rushes. And I think just enough to put guys over the top. The the rushing game is going to be the focal point of this offense, not the passing game.
0: Well, and then perfect what you're talking about the game script. But it could
2: end know? up working out like you guys said, spread and balanced all the way out. And I just a, think Keontae Ingram's going to get the bulk of that.
0: And that's where, if you talk about a guy like Keontae, and if the game scripts play out this way, if you're thinking Texas is going to be uh, in the lead, then it's going to be situations where he's going to be asked to run more. And that's where sometimes. These stats don't even come down to being the player's fault. It's how the game plays out. And if Mm -hmm. Texas is leading these games, if Texas gets leads early, those lend you to situations where you're gonna be running. If you aren't as good of a team, which is, fit for the rest of the Big 12's entire structure of a team like Tecker, they're always passing from behind, and then you enjoy passing also, or you think it's your schematic advantage, so you throw even more. If you're talking about Texas being a top 10 type team and then leading most games, the game script's only gonna allow you to be the team that can run and afford to run the ball more, so his numbers naturally are gonna go up, and then you can add on top of that that whenever you're taking on these opponents and talking about like the structure of the conference, you're the one that can do something that they can't do. So if Texas is good and can lead and can dominate, you have the offensive line already, you have, say, decent blocking ability from the tight end group, it's only gonna let Keontae be the type of running back that could possibly break a 1,000. And then if you talk about the skill positions, sort of something that may lead Keontae to not getting to that point could possibly be, if you look at like say the skill positions set up on that 05 team, not many names at wide receiver. You really didn't know anybody, but you had a committee at running back and you had four or five different heads if jamal charles doesn't get hurt who knows he probably becomes that lead back after the oklahoma game along those lines but you got to bet that your running backs may get dinged up a bit so this roster makeup is going to be less stars at wide receiver and you're going to have more heads in the running game department it just all depends on if one is above the rest say Keontae or if it's more of a committee but game script wise It looks like Texas be favored in most games will be most inclined to be running the ball more so than they have the past decade when we've been playing from behind having to throw the ball.
1: Rod, to to kind of combine the points both of you guys made, if you've got this great backfield and you've got a quarterback who's got the legit run game element Sam Ellinger brings to the table, you better be in 20 personnel a decent amount of the time.
2: I like that idea. You know I do. Yeah. I love that idea. I'm pre- I am pre—I know backs. I'm preaching to the choir 20 on and 21. I love that idea, man. I'm
1: with you. Uh, Rod, this one's for you. Over-under Texas, 15 interceptions as a team. Take the over-under. Uh, your interception numbers in recent years, uh, you had 16 mm-hmm. in 2017, 12 in 2018, 12 last season. So you take taken over-under 15 interceptions for this team. That's a good
2: question. Could also about go the- with game script. Yeah, it's also true. Good point. Good point. Especially yes, if you're leading, leading yeah, teams, teams are, are going to be throwing. The, it's a, that's a great point. I agree with that. Uh, you got some ball hawks. That's why you could, you know, you could buy here. You got, if Caden mm-hmm. Stern stays healthy, which is a big if, you know, he's a great ball hawk in the center field. Deshaun Jameson, another one of them who loves to go out to the football. He'll get beat, but he's going to win a couple, no doubt about it. Uh, so I do like that element. Usually your linebacking core get you one or two, and Joseph Saï, who actually <laughs> was a great was great in coverage last year, he was great at every damn thing. Um, I, don't, I don't expect him to be in coverage as much. I'm trying to think of who else is making plays back there on the football. Oh man, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna sell.
1: You're gonna go under fifteen? Yeah,
2: I think they'll go under fifteen. I just I just don't. I got, you got two ball. I'm trying to think of who else is ball hog. Actually, I love Chris, Chris Brown. I, I like the, the way he goes after the football, but I don't know if he's getting interceptions. He's yep. just a guy that's really aggressive around the football. And this may depend more on your opponents and the also quarterbacks
0: true. that are, you're going to be facing this that's, year. So that's a good point. That's when, you know, if, like we just said, game script will probably land it to possibly be there now when Texas did go over that number. You had a lot of guys hocking balls in Texas, making plays on defense. And to expect more than 15 is going to be above average. It's going to be hard to to do but yeah. if you're going to find a situation if you're better looking at it it's like well they lead in okay game scripts in their favor oh they're in the big 12 or the pac 12 they're going to be against pass happy offenses okay are these offenses high risk teams yes and then oddly this year there's more questions at quarterback like you got a couple guys back you got a Spencer Rattler but you still have seen those guys that are in the conference already throw a lot of picks so it'll warder right around that but I think it might depend more so on the opponent's mm-hmm. And how well Texas' offense and
2: how well Texas plays for the risks okay. of
0: the opponents
2: to come You know come what? Up. I want to buy. i change my mind. Matt's going to make a good point. Because our pass rush is going to be better. There you go. Because you have Joseph Asai pass rushing with Daquan Graham. Kendrick Coburn's mature. The pass rush will be better. That will force more pressure. Pressure leads quarterbacks to make bad decisions. And you're right about. I think Texas will be, not leading, but I do think Texas will be in command of a lot of games. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you I, I know what? I will buy it. I'll buy it. Yeah. It'll be real close to It'll it. It'll be close to it. He's right. The Big 12 gives you so many opportunities, though. True. More plays. Yeah, yeah it, you're going to be packing. I mean, up in. Look, look at that West Virginia game. You need one quarterback to melt down and give yeah. you three, four picks. It, it, it you know can what happen I mean? easily. Yeah, it can happen. <laughs> like, it I mean, really yeah, like, it just, But you're right. We might have, have fewer games. Yes. Oh. You may. So, let's Damn. do this based on a 12 game
0: season. Yeah. 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 See?
2: Yeah. 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 There's too many, too many four I'll buy it right now because of the pass rush more so. Because the pass rush, I think it's going to be much better this year.
0: And if we're going to go that way, 15 and 12-game season, that's
2: 1.2, 1.3 yeah. per game. So I can see are you thinking that average around there? Okay. I'm going to buy it. I'll change my mind. Because don't say the, the defense games. is going to be good. And give me those numbers again.
1: So your interception totals uh, just in the Tom Herman era, 16 in 2017. That was with Deshaun Elliott getting six. Uh, 12 in 2018 and 12 last year.
2: Yeah, it's tough. That Delta 2017 was, was, yeah, they were very opportunistic. I,
1: I would say the combination, rod of, of the pass rush and now an experienced secondary that might be more comfortable taking chances, making the play on the it's ball. Cool Whether he's experienced or not, like you said, Deshaun Jameson's gonna going to take chances. He's
2: going the ball. <laughs> and he's got great hands. Yeah. And I want to say, it's not just guys who go up to the ball. Caden Stearns and Deshaun Jameson got hands like wide outs. Oh. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be right there, man. It's going to be right there. I'll take the over because I think the defense is going to be good. And if I'm going to say it's going to be good, you know, every defense that's, that you go looking recently that's been good, they're very opportunistic. They get their hands on football. So they force turnovers. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, stay, sticking with defense, Rod, we, we talk about the pass rush. Buy or sell. Texas has a double-digit sack guy in 2020. <sighs>
2: oh, can I try to guess the last double digits? It wasn't Jeffcoat. It
1: was Jackson Jeffcoat. That was
2: that long ago?
1: Because <laughs> your leader in 2014 was Malcolm Brown with six and a half. Uh, your leader in 2015 was Peter Jenkins with, I think, seven six, and a half. Seven, Yeah, you're right, 7, seven. Uh, 15 15-year leader was, or 16-year leader, I think, was Malik Jefferson with, that, yeah, he was six. right
0: around there too. Yeah. I like love that something. Malcolm Brown man. led a team in sacks. That's yeah, great. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a Casey Hampton level type stat right there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, like that's tackle. cool, man. That's and the, pretty closest, nice the
1: closest you had was 18 Charles Amina who finished with nine and a half.
2: Yeah, okay, that's okay, I thought I was missing somebody who was okay. It was Charles Amina who was close. Uh, but then they moved, he was playing that, that tight eye, that tight four-eye technique, so he wasn't, he wasn't. But that's
1: what saved that 2018 defense from completely falling off a cliff. One of the things is Todd Orlando had the luxury of late in a tight game or in a tight spot, kicking Charles Amenehu out and telling him, hey, yeah. go get the quarterback. He,
2: yeah, get on the edge, yeah. I mean, Charles Amenehu, for the Texans this year, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Charles Amenehu ends up starting on that defensive line. They love Charles Amenehu. Anyway, but. Oh, Joseph Olsai, man. If if they use Joseph Olsai the right way, of course he's going to get double-digit sacks. I mean, it goes without saying. You go look at that bowl game in the Alamo Bowl, and they finally, uh, was it Craig Navarre?
1: Craig Niver, yeah.
2: Craig Niver finally decided to use him as basically their version of Sergio Kendall, pass rusher or run stuffer. If he is doing anything other than pass rushing or run stuffing, then you might have got coached. That's basically what it amounts, that's how Joseph size to me. If he's back there in coverage, covering some running back deep, like, damn, I think I got of on that, but he got me. Because that means that he, one of your best players, if not your best, most impactful player on defense, that he is not doing what I think he does best and what is most valuable to the defense in that situation. So... I'm going to say hell, yeah, because he's going to be on the edge at that jack position, which I think they prioritize as an edge rusher in a lot of situations, especially predictable passing situations. And when that guy's rushing, man, he's hell to deal with. And his story, he's, he's, just, he's, so, he's so young to football. He's mm-hmm. he really still in his infancy of development. I was talking to Mike Craven about it, talking about how he, he watched his first football game at 11, like saw it for the first time at 11 years old. Yeah. And what is he now? 19? 20? Is he 20?
1: So I think he's 20 now. He's 20 yeah. years
2: old. Still. So not even 10 years has he even watched the game of football. dude this dude is gonna be, I think he's gonna be a star. So I'll say yeah, he's gonna get double digits. And if he don't, then can we all agree Chris Ash Joseph Osai? If he's a because if you consider him an edge rusher now, which I basically is that jack position, if he's not getting double now, I guess I gotta look at the entire productivity, maybe he's doing a lot of different things. But if he is edge rushing just on passing situations alone every time and not in coverage, he should get double-digit sacks.
0: Yeah, because last year, if you look at the Power Five, yeah. you had 23 guys have more than 10 sacks and a lot flirted with it, with that nine and a half, yeah. nine numbers. So you're talking about if you're elite teams across the nation, you normally have one guy come through with it and he's a guy that has the individual skills that looks like, in a, looking at the interception numbers just for perspective to last year too. Uh, we're talking about if you get 15 over 12 games, about 1.2, 1.3. Well, yeah. last year, Yeah, three of the top nine in college football were from the Big 12. You had Texas Tech, TCU, and Baylor. Tech averaged 1.3, TCU 1.3, Baylor 1.2. So, in the Big 12, you can easily get around that number. You're the leader of the Big 12, so you're hoping that you are making the most splash plays on defense in your conference. And if Texas can do those, they sort of feed the other one. So, you know, if you don't get one, you're probably going to get both.
1: That is – it has been slim pickings on your sack leaders really since Jeff Code had 13 in 2013. It's not even as high as I thought. And I was I was being you know generous with some of my numbers from what Uh-oh. I remember. 2014, Malcolm Brown six and a half. 2015, Peter Jenkins six and a half. 2016, Jenkins. Brecken Hager was six. Oh 2017, Malik Jefferson with four. Oh then you've got a minute who That's nine and a half. And then Osai last year with five. And the thing with Osai, Rod. He went from the Oklahoma State game, which was September twenty first, <laughs> to the bowl game on New Year's Eve without a sack.
2: Wow. That's crazy. Cause Todd Orlando wanted him there's to, to off ball no linebacker.
1: There's a reason why Todd Orlando's no longer the defensive coordinator in Texas. Wow. That's one
2: of
0: them. That's, and we talked about that. It was strategic with Orlando. He brought his pressure wherever he's been from the back end. It's a structural thing that he wanted but it sometimes could overcomplicate a simple issue whenever you have an elite level guy that's closer so if he's closer let him go. You no, don't he, have to manufacture because Orlando at Yukon or at Houston maybe did have to manufacture cuz he was deficient on the D line in comparison to his opponents. When you get to Texas, it's sort of the Shaka smart aspect. People are like, well, man, what's going on with Shaka? I was like, man, Shaka Shaka's doing what he did. He can get everything out of those kids of yeah. VCU.
1: Manufacture he hell, you had, Ed Oliver, you had Ed Oliver and Tyus Bowser. You did have to manufacture all that
0: much
2: well, of the no, password no, you know Once saying, they recruited, can, though, because that was late. That was like he was a whenever, freshman, right? Yeah.
0: And I'm just pointing out that once he got to the elite yeah. level guys, I, I saying, don't yeah. think he was able to structurally assess the best way to build a better defense when he was building his mm-hmm. football mind for many years at less this Edwards, is the way to do it every he time, built his system yeah. that way, yeah, and then. Those systems at lower-level schools, it's the same reason that you have to go and bring in an offensive scheme to elevate lesser players the way that Tech and Mike Leach did so greatly, and you see that across offense. same thing happens defensively at certain places, and he had to get more out of lesser guys. It's something that Shaka Smart's done his whole career, but then whenever you get to the place that has the elite guys – you don't necessarily have to implement that systemic way because now you have something you didn't have before, and you can get different production. Yeah, you
2: got Joseph Besides. Yes, so Sometimes so. the simplest solution
0: exactly is
2: the best solution. Jeff's <laughs> Just put that guy on the edge and let him run around the Yeah. Simple edge. game over. Complicated <laughs> by simple Like wins. you look at Arla- Orlando's last right. year
1: at U of H. I mean, Tyus Bowser, eight and a half sacks, twelve tackles for loss at Oliver. <laughs> five sacks and it's a true
2: freshman, 22 yeah. tackles. So he blocks. didn't learn his lesson. He should have been evolving. because yes. they, they If he had, had
0: evolved it, and Oliver was been the first power. Here. He
2: was the first five-star player to go to a group of five school, right? Yeah. So they started recruiting the kind of players that Matt was talking about. At, at that time, then you evolved Adapted the blueprint and go, all right, all right. I don't need to be exotic all the time to create pressure. I got guys that can war daddies do, it, that can do it on their that own. Do it up I didn't have before. And he never, he never grew in learning. And
1: Bowser, Bowser would have been a more highly recruited guy, but he was a basketball guy who kind of was like, that like came into football a little bit late. And I, I remember John Tyler was getting ready to play, and I probably told the story before, John Tyler was getting ready to play Denton Geyer. I think it was a state semifinal game. Mm-hmm. Gerard Hurd's quarterback at, at Geyer. Huh. And I, I knew somebody on the Geyer staff, and we were talking before, I, said, ah, I don't think Bowser's that good, we watch film. And I remember after the game, he was like, hey, Bowles going to play in the NFL. <laughs> so, you know, he, he really is that good.
2: <laughs> I like, admit I was wrong. That, about that kid that, is a freak. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah, didn't so, take long. But yeah, you're, that's a good point, Rod. Right? I mean, you've got to evolve, and Todd Orlando should have seen the evolution coming of what you can do when you get. Mm-hmm. More Assess your players
0: guys. in your current roster and build around them instead of being married Tweak to the something. Adjust, exactly. adjust
1: your your personnel to your system rather than now. the other way around. Now. Yep. preach. Square pegs, round holes. Uh, Rod, here's one we talked about uh, a minute ago. Over under 80 catches for the team's leader in receptions this year.
2: Under, under, under. Yeah, I'm going under on that
1: one. So you've you've had the leader the last two years go over 80. Yeah. Six two years ago, Devin DuVernay with 106 last year.
2: I think it's going to be more run oriented if I'm going to stay consistent in my my you know my theme or whatever yes. for the season. I'm going to say under cuz you know I think you're going more 0-4, 0-5 Texas with this team more so than a 0809 Texas. I
1: would like I you know would I mean? rather see like just me. I I would rather take those, you know, take let's say take 90 catches, right? Mm-hmm. And split them between Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington if that's your if you're still uh, yeah if you and, and I'll say this that's too with point. the receivers this might have been a year where Tom Herman might have not wanted to be uh, as H heavy as the offense has been the last two years yeah. but I don't know that you've got that luxury right now Rod, because other than Brendan Eagles you really don't know and really Eagles you've only got one year to go on in terms of what you've got on the perimeter at least you know in this offense, if you've got the right guy, you know that H position just by design is going to gobble up a lot of catches. Yep. So if you're saying, okay, maybe we're not going to have an 80 or 100 catch guy, but and even if it's a 100, 100 balls, if Smith is at 60 and Whittington's at 40, awesome. you would hope between that, that 100 catches those guys are getting, you're going to get a requisite amount of yards, yak yards, points whatever metric you want to look at to judge success you're going to get it and plus if we're thinking those two are going to be involved in the run game i mean Mm -hmm. you know you don't need that one guy we don't need one guy at that one position to catch 80 90 balls to be
2: effective i totally agree with you i think it's brilliant i definitely would prefer instead of a duvernay and the little jordan humphrey presence there at h which i love I would much rather, because now these are the two ideal H's that Tom Herman envisioned for this offense, for the pro spread, have them split a lot of their production only so late in the season I can see a formation with two H's one on either side, and then Good. I can shift in motion one guy to the backfield, turn it into 20 personnel, motion the other guy with a little jet-sweep. Mo- man, I just, I just, you know what I mean? I'm talking about football erotica here, man. I'm, just, I'm just, uh, with those two guys who, they're proficient now in the age and they know exactly how to to move, and Mike Yurcich has familiarity on how to use those guys. To, and what he says, his, uh, his, his strategy always is, players, formations, and plays. Yep. with those two guys, you can have your full complement a Rubik's Cube of formations, players and plays because they provide so many different uh, dimensions and the versatility of an offense, so I'm with you on that. I would love to split it up early, and then the defense really doesn't know who to key on. You may have those guys on the field at one time. I think that's a brilliant strategy.
1: Going back to what I said about a 1,000-yard rusher, I would sell the 1,000 yards and think it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll go under 80 catches and if, if you're going to be the kind of offense you can be the kind of offense you want to be and that number doesn't matter That mm-hmm. number is just it's, it's arbitrary
2: I agree with at that, that point mm-hmm. you
1: know because Eagles had 30 32 catches last year you figure
2: 500 a little over 500 yards. you figure he's
1: probably going to be 40th 40, 45 to 50. rather than being in the 30 to 35 he'll be in the probably 45 mm-hmm. give or take a few catches if you're saying you know, Take 100, 120 catches and divide them however you want between Smith and Whittington. You know, give you about 20, 20 for Josh Moore and maybe 20 for Tariq Black and whatever, 15 to 20 for Marcus Washington. In other words, you're not gonna have one guy, to repeat myself, you're not gonna have one guy gobble up, you know, X percentage of of the receptions. It's gonna be much more evenly distributed. What
2: did you say, Lil Jordan Humphrey had? How many receptions? 86. And then Devin Durant had 100. 106. 106 yeah um so with that i would say that they were different though remember i mean devin duvernay 60% of his receptions were within five yards of the line of scrimmage. They were basically long handoffs mm-hmm. to Devin Duvernay, essentially. And, and little Jordan Humphrey, a lot more of his targets were down the field rather than being you know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So I do wonder with Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith how they'll decide to interpret the H. Will it be exactly. uh, like Devin Duvernay, which is, honestly, he, he was just an expansion of the running game. For mm-hmm. a lot of those receptions. They just toss it over to him in the quick wide receiver screen and boom, he'd get it and he'd break tackles. This is what he did really well. Actually one of the best wide receivers. I think he was actually the top wide receiver in the country off wide receiver screens. Yeah. Which is something that Baltimore loved about him, I'm sure, because they're gonna use him in that same capacity as a as a wing back, like Debo Samuel for the 49ers. But so I wonder how they're gonna utilize Jake's or they, will they be different? Will, will Jake Smith have more of a vertical presence and Jordan Whittington be more of the Devin DuVernay H, or will it be vice versa? Like, I just wonder how they'll do it.
1: I think Smith is versatile enough to where you don't have to pigeonhole him in the same I, mean, I think both of them are. The other. Yeah. But I think, both but them I think Smith, Smith gives you. I think more of the vertical element than Whittington does.
2: I feel like that too, for some
0: reason.
1: Whitting, if I you could be wrong yeah, about that. we
0: just haven't seen a lot of exactly. Whittington. We just haven't seen
1: Whittington him. is athletic enough and physical enough of a football player. If you wanted to put him, what we've known the X position to be, if you wanted to put him at X and put him into the boundaries, like go body a guy up and go win a 50-50 ball, Whittington can do that for you. Mm,
2: yeah. oh, that's and, why, like,
1: sorry, yeah. Matt, but that's why, like, the value rod that's put on, this is what I don't understand about the NFL draft. Like, The analytics and the metrics have shown like there's value in the safety position because Mm -hmm. that's the position where you're creating the most turnovers. This is why it's one of those football arguments in the furries. Why don't you throw the middle of the field? Why don't you throw to the middle field? Because they're the lowest percentage throws you have in football. Mm -hmm. Because that's the way defenses are designed now. They they want you to throw to the middle field because if they're designed as skies of coverages, and you've got a guy like like an Earl Thomas or an Eric Weddle who's a ball hawk that, oh, that's just going to be a 20-yard post. No, that's an interception, and you just turned the ball Agreed. over. More because bodies, more levels, layers of a defense. Because your quarterback missed a look. Uh, so you've got low percentage throws over the middle of the field, and the safety position is so valued, yet in the NFL draft year after year, we see the safety position doesn't have value. There aren't that many safeties taken in the first that's round, right. and but now you're seeing, a, oh, you got a Pro Bowl safety in the second round. Well, yeah, because you morons keep devaluing a position that all the numbers and the information says put value on this position.
0: I
2: agree, and, and that's yeah. why Brandon Jones
0: going in the first pick at the third round. You know, there was it looked like to be a few teams starting to really value that more so than they were before. And you know, talking about a guy like why I like Duvernay in the next level because you actually saw him change what his – if you were to look at his receptions throughout his career before last season, he was never asked to go and do anything over the middle. And just to show that he's so good in the screen game and then he can be that guy that Sam's only person Sam was ever trusting to throw to over the middle. Can you think of anybody else that ever got a pass over the middle for Texas last year? You saw a little bit of Colin Johnson, Mm -hmm. and that's it. So talking about the structure of the team going forward, though, like y'all were at the wide receiver position – it, I think it also, in the same vein of what you were saying, Rod, it although depend upon Jursich, how different Jursich's offense is. If we're going to see everything funneled through the same position as we have in years past and really through all years of Tom Herman's offense, then you go over 80 because they've always had over 80 in Tom Herman's offense. But now whenever you have very – highly skilled and multi-positional receivers, mm-hmm. and then you have a coach that may bring in other looks and other ways to spread it around because your biggest issue became that predictability. Exactly. Your entire offense was yep. based off of that one position. That lowest common denominator got really easy for the opponents mm-hmm. to be able to deuce and simplify and then attack. So it'll really, I think, come down to how much is in your sitch or if, say, like you get a guy that's just so great in the screen game because these – Yeah, sometimes, Yes, yeah, true. APR like you can yeah. see numbers and receptions. Good point. so Some guys are just natural.
2: They read the blocks better. They break tackles better. I'm with yeah, you. I Jordan mean, Whittington is just a natural edit. If we just, just yeah.
0: implement a jet sweep, you may get a guy getting five receptions, and it's on a handoff. It's just you're dropping the ball forward because you're able to do that and no, you not are. have it be a fumble. So it all depends on how he's different than what Herman was. If it's going to be similar to Herman, I say over. If not, he might not get it, but you may actually get it manufactured with that passing through the or running game through the pass game.
1: But I brought up the safety point to say this, right? Jordan Whittington, well, when he was right. getting recruited, I know there were some members on the Texas staff that looked at him and said, "Don't, don't don't waste this guy on offense. Like put him on defense and let him go be a difference maker on that side of the ball. Like that's the kind of ball hawk he is. And the kind of presence he can have.
2: No, I, I love that idea, but I think he'd be more valuable on offense just because of that versatility. Because I think the NFL has finally figured out all right, we know how to use these hybrids. He can he can yeah. actually, and I think he can prove himself to be a an asset there. I love your idea though about the safeties. I don't know why the NFL figured <laughs> out. That's why Devin DuVernay is valuable to the Ravens blueprint. They need somebody to stress the seams. To stress those safeties, he can do it in a number of ways. And he can catch any he, traffic. Yeah, because he can come down at the screen and force those safeties to come down and have to basically have to defend him in the running game in the open field as a as a ball carrier, but also don't don't get flat footed because he'll run right the hell by you too because he's mm-hmm. a four three nine and he's got great hands. So it's yeah, I'm telling you, that's why they got him. He's like he's gonna end up being a star for the Ravens. Oh man. fantasy football it's he's gonna so, make he's gonna be so he, big. It's so compatible are, his you, are
1: you with me, Rod, as we wrap this up? Are you with me on like the people, why don't you test the middle of the field, throw it over the middle of the field, like it's yeah, it exactly. just makes you want to put bleach in my eyeballs because
2: like yeah, they don't understand just, how, and Matt said it too, The defense is built in layers especially, and to protect the middle because most defenses, I'm not saying all, most of them, consider the sideline to be a defender yeah. so mm-hmm. the defenses are built with sidelines and defenders, so there are still pockets of of basically vulnerability, basically right out there because the defense is built. Oh, the sideline is a If you're an accurate quarterback, you can still take advantage of separation, more separation in between those hashes and the numbers on the outside. That's where a lot of your throws are. If and that's where you all leverage yeah. your entire defense or skill. Exactly, exactly. My leverage, I'm usually as a defender, I was playing bump and run. I always had inside, probably not always, but 85% of the time I had inside left. If level. you're
1: still one of these people that, that wonders why don't you test the middle of the field, next time you watch a game, watch, watch the kinds of routes. That are going to the middle field. It's a rub concept or mm-hmm. just a quick bubble or yeah. a slant. Or a
2: late, a late developing. Right, or it's, yeah. a, it's, a,
1: it's a, a secondary read when you're coming read, off yeah. of your first read and it's a backside drag or a backside post.
2: Because yeah. initially that's what's stacked,
1: is the middle of the field. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Good football talk, guys. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the couch. Always fun, brother, always fun. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019 AM, 1260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the Triple Option afternoon show each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Same as plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt. You can get all of our archives, classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship just by searching Horns 24-7 Podcasts. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.